So we are in a series of messages called Signs of the Times, and uh, we have been looking at, for several weeks, thus some signs of the times. Uh, if you have missed any of the messages and you want to go back and hear anything of what we've been talking about, because really we're just scratching the surface of all the information that there is out there, but we, are, we do have an iTunes podcast or whatever um, social platform. <laughs> I was asking her right before this because I have an iPhone, and I said, what do Android users use? <laughs> so you could just, ev- everything that's free, and so just you could search that out. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and we do have a, a, you could listen, just go on the website and listen for free. We have our, our sermons there, too. Um, so like I said, we are just scratching the surface. We could go on and on. You could preach for the rest of the year on this topic mm-hmm. and still be digging into what the Lord has to say and his scripture has to say about signs of the times. Uh, but we are seeing, we believe we're seeing an escalation of the signs um, in this generation. And that's what Jesus had said to his people to watch and pray, that when you see an escalation of these signs coming together in one generation, that's the generation that I will return in. And so um, the day's coming. I think this is part of the whole reason why we look at this. The day is coming, you know, when Jesus is going to bring the fullness of his righteous judgments into the earth. He's going to cleanse the first and second heavens. And we are going to be made new, just like it said here, but in the fullness of our salvation. And we will come back with him on this earth to rule and reign. Some of you may not realize that, but there is a millennial reign, a 1,000-year reign of Christ here on a restored earth. Mm -hmm. And this is why we're getting ready. This is why Jesus said to watch and pray so that you're ready for the day when he comes back because he loves us and he wants us to be prepared. He's saying he he doesn't want that day to come upon us like a trap or a noose or like a thief. And none of us want to be, be robbed, right, of our spiritual inheritance. But that's really what Jesus is warning us about. And so the, 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 when we keep looking into these things, we look into them so that our, our eyes are opened. Amen. And our hearts are more receptive to what God wants to do in our life, to stay in closer fellowship with one another, with believers. It's so important that you have a body of believers to help keep you on a narrow path. We talked about the broad path and the narrow path last week. We need people around us who are devoted to Christ and want to keep you on the path. On. You know, iron sharpens iron, and that's good for us, Amen. isn't it? Because deception is going to grow larger in the days to come. And that's really going to be one of our biggest challenges in the days ahead if we don't get ourselves spiritually uh, in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. So there's deception. Where is it? Well, there's deception in the news media. Guess what? The channels that you listen to aren't telling you all the truth. <laughs> I don't care which one it is. I don't care which one it is. Yeah, which one you favor. There's deception in the news media, uh, in social media. We're warned in Scripture about false teachers, false prophets, false Christ, false religions. Even it says in the, in the last generation before Jesus comes that there will be lying signs and wonders done through That's right. the power of the Antichrist. And so Satan will work through the dark side, through the Antichrist, to perform, it says, great miracles and lying wonders in the hopes of deceiving even the elect. That means people like you and I, if you're a believer, to deceive you. 
And so we want to be able to discern truth from error. Amen. Amen. I mean, it would surprise some people, I think, to truly believe that Satan has real spiritual power. He does. And if he, if he masquerades as an angel of light, you know, you could see how somebody would be deceived because he's not going to come with a pitchfork and horns. <laughs> he's, no. he's going to not look like the devil or Satan or his influence. And the problem, you know, with deception is you don't know you're deceived or that you are being deceived. That's, that's the whole point about deception. You're believing a lie. And so to recognize counterfeit, you know how they train a federal agent to recognize counterfeit money. They don't give them counterfeit money and say, look at this and try to figure out what's wrong with it. They study over and over and over again. They're trained to study the real and the genuine. Right. So much. They recognize the real and genuine so easily that this little subtle nuances of something counterfeit or false or error, they go, I, 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 I see that. And we can learn from that approach. Amen. We really could. So this is why we say we need to be learners. We need to be studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, familiar with who it is that we follow to recognize the counterfeit. Um, and really, I, you know, I want to tell you, I was just saying this, Pastor Steve here, as we were studying for this, these messages, you know, you look on the Internet, and you could find a lot of good stuff on the Internet, obviously, a lot of good stuff on end times on the Internet that's accurate and good, but there's a lot of stuff out there that has truth mixed with error. Right. Very deceiving. And I, I came across an, a website. I just have to mention this just to let you know <laughs> how bad it was. But yet how good. At first glance, the website looked great. It was full of scripture. The name of Jesus was in there. They were he, he was talking about end times. He had written a book. And the one thing I think yeah, we all have to be aware of is when you come across a website that says, I have been given special knowledge by the Holy Spirit about end times. And I thought when he wrote a book, and I thought, I've never heard of this guy. And that's kind of what he was saying. But I was just intrigued. I thought, I'm just going to follow some rabbit trails here. Because it was other things in it were filled with scripture. Until I came to a link, and the link said... Here's how you will recognize uh, the true prophetic voices that will be out there that God's going to send to get his people ready for his second coming. So I clicked on the link, and he said, what you have to be ready for is a person coming with an unexpected and offensive message that might knock over some of your sacred cows. And I thought, well, I wonder, you know, I kept reading. I thought, I wonder what this is about. He said, just like the Jews were offended with Jesus when he came and he, he broke, right. you know, he knocked over sacred cows. He didn't keep the Sabbath. He went, in, he, he went into the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers, you know. And love your enemies. Love your enemies. Yeah, turn the other cheek. He was a friend to sinners. So he, he said Jesus spoke all these unexpected and offensive things to the people. So he said, God's end time prophetic voice may sound more like something you're not used to. For instance, and he had all these bullet points, not be a Trinitarian, meaning not believing in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, that was one. Not Trinitarian. Abortion is not murder. Bullet number two. He, he yeah, he proclaimed that Jew the early Jews believed that you only became a person when you were outside the womb, so mur murdering in the womb wasn't really murder. Don't let that bother you. You don't need a church family because Jesus wasn't all about being in the temple. Anyways, he said homosexual sin is not a sin. The Bible was only referring to cult prostitution that took place in a homosexual practice 
in cult prostitution worship. And so in your private life, that lifestyle is okay. And he said, it wouldn't even surprise me if God sent an openly gay prophet wearing a rainbow scarf. And, and he said, he kept going on. I was, my mouth was like, I'm just like, I can't believe it. He said the Jesus' main message was about love, loving God and loving people. And about profanity, and, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. He's going to use profanity. That was the other one. I thought, profanity? What's the justification for this? He said Old Testament scripture has actually be, has been rewritten to take it out. To remove the R-rated <laughs> language in it. I, I actually looked that up. There's, there are a couple websites that are proclaiming that. And now I can understand when we've heard people preaching using oh. mild, mild offensive vulgarities. And I'm thinking, well, are they pastors? They're preaching in the pulpit? They mm -hmm. must be reading these websites. That This is how you're relevant with people. But anyways, he said this message of love... And, and to, to love God and people was offensive to the religious people of that day. And so we need to allow our sacred cows to be knocked over. And uh, <laughs> it almost knocked me over sitting there reading it. I thought, here's the, here's the scripture that came to mind, 2 Timothy 3.13. But wicked men and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and leading astray others and being deceived and led astray themselves. Come this on. is a person who's badly led astray, badly uh, walking in deception and writing books. And there were plenty of people on that site that were agreeing with him and talking about how wonderful it is to have some, someone voicing these things. And mm. yeah, We have to go back to the idea. We have to study the genuine so yeah. that we can understand and recognize the subtleties of the deception that is going to, like Pastor Mamie said, the devil is not going to come to you and say, I'm the devil, I'm here to deceive you. Yeah. See the red suit? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. He does masquerade as an angel of light. Yeah. That's why we must be aware of what Scripture says. And if you like, we talked last week about the narrow path and the broad path. And if you like the broad path, this would be the website, be the website that you for would you. go yeah. with. Amen. Uh, but if, honestly, if you read the full counsel of God, the full counsel of God is beginning to the end, or the full gospels, because the full gospels address everything that he talks about in there. You're going to understand the error. You're going to recognize the error. You're going to come to a place where you are going to be quick to discern that error. And his argument about the love of God, the love of Jesus, doesn't hold any water. Yes, Jesus was loving. Yes, he does. He loves the whole world that he came. He paid our sin debt. But do you understand that his righteous judgments are an act of love? How many have kids? Okay, did you, did you train them? Did you have to discipline? Did you do that out of hate? Or no. did you want them to have a good life? Yeah. Okay, so their, their false reality of this love means I'm okay to do what I want and you have to accept me. That's their idea of love. Jesus the scripture declares Jesus himself. He says, you loved righteousness and hated iniquity. You hated wickedness. 
This is what it says. This is, and in his kingdom, what's the scepter? The scepter of righteousness. Righteousness. It's not the scepter of love. It's the scepter of righteousness. Because bringing righteousness to this earth is an act of love. Now, we've asked you guys to read Matthew 24, uh, Luke 21, and Mark 13, because these are all uh, insights into the uh, end times that Jesus spoke of. And we're going to take a close look at uh, verses 32 through 51. And so this is coming up on your screen. If you have your Bible, you go ahead and open it up and, and take a look at what your, your version shows. It says this. It says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. When its branches become tender and grows leaves, you know that summer's near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near, even at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So it will be. In the coming of the Son of Man, two will be in the field and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding the mill and one will be taken, the other left. It says, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour the Lord will come. But know this, if the owner of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have his house broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For in an hour when you least expect it, the Son of Man is coming. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has made rule over his household to give them food at the appointed time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming and begins to strike his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not look for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in pieces and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's some really sobering things that here that God wants us to understand in these scriptures because they are serious and they have eternal consequences. Yeah. You're not going to change Jesus' mind when you're standing before him. Amen? No. And let's take a look. It starts here with the parable of the fig tree. And this is really pretty easy to understand. It's just like in nature. When the leaves start coming, you know that the figs are going to be coming afterwards. And it's the same thing. That same progressive growth is what we should look at when we look at these spiritual prophetic signs. This is going to be coming about in one generation. 
uh, these are things that we'll be able to see. They'll be visible with our eyes. And Jesus wants us to be aware of these things. And I'll tell you, there's another sign of the time that people will scoff. They'll scoff. They'll say, oh my gosh, we've seen all this before. Wars, rumors of wars. We've seen earthquakes. We've seen pestilences. But this is what Scripture says. Peter, one of the apostles, wrote this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Know this first, that there shall come scoffers in the last days who will walk after their own lusts and say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were since the beginning of creation. Peter's warning us that mockers, scoffers will come in the last day. It's, it's an attitude. It's a mindset. It really, you're going to find this even in the church. And of course, you know, out in society, you're going to find this. There's going to be mockers, scoffers. And the truth is, it will be a tremendous obstacle for the prophetic church as they move forward in these end times yeah. so that because of the scoffing, because of the mocking, because of the, uh, really, in a sense, it's going to turn into some attacks, really. It's going to make people feel insecure. This is why you need to read the Word. This is why you could have, have to have your soul anchored into the living Word of God. It's going to cause people to feel hindered by it. It's actually going to cause some people to actually turn back and turn away. Uh, Peter says that you've got to know this will happen in that end time generation. You're going to be ridiculed because you believe what the Bible says. You've probably already been ridiculed for it. But, you know, just go ahead and post it on your website or your uh, Facebook. Yeah. Thank you. And see how many likes you get. <laughs> and see what your funny. response is. Yeah. Come on now. You know it. You know, there's a stigma attached to believing the Word of God. Yeah. It is. And, and, you know, brace yourself for it. Yeah. Scripture says all who live godly in this world will be persecuted. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you living in Butler, Pennsylvania are exempt. It's not. You know, and a lot of this mocking will come because their compromised lifestyle. Remember that yeah. scripture we read? They've been drawn out after their own lust. You know, we talked about last week the, the narrow path and the broad path. Yeah. It, it was, I like that message. I would suggest if you didn't see it, you take a look at it on our uh, website. But if, if you choose a devoted lifestyle, I mean, how many people have found this over the years? If you've been walking with God, maybe you just started, but even over a period of years, if you choose to live a more a devoted lifestyle. It'll make people uncomfortable around you sometimes. People, if your family isn't saved, they feel like, what's up with you? You're so radical about mm -hmm. this. Anybody felt like that before? No, nobody. I'm all, I'm, I know I have. <laughs> I see. Yep. Yep. But, but I mean, truly, like inside the church, I think if you come on a Sunday morning during a time when there's a pandemic, then you really want to know God Amen. coming out because you want to be here and know God. But if you want to live, like I said, a devoted 
lifestyle, you know, it does make people sometimes inside and outside the church uncomfortable. When we say things like, well, God so loved the world, we go, yes, yes, that's an awesome scripture, or God is good and his mercy endures forever. Yeah, that's another good one, Lord. (laughs) But the Lord also has verses, we just read that in verse 51 Mm -hmm. that ended there, that he's, you know, that that story, I'll cut him in pieces, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some, he says, will be cast in unquenchable fire forever. We want right. to go, whoa, Lord, okay, dial it back a little bit. Can we, do we have to go <laughs> be this strong about it? Like, we want to be relational with people. People are not going to like to hear that kind yeah. of a message. I have found that even in the church. Yes. Yes. Over the years, we've hesitated doing series on signs of the times because it's like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe people will think and maybe people will feel. And so that kind of stigma is definitely in, in the church even. But the Lord knows what he said. Amen. The Lord is speaking truth. He's just unintimidated because it's, to him it's not a popularity contest. Right? Come on. I mean, he knows his words are actually given to us as a loving warning. He's saying take heed because here are the consequences if you don't. He fully understands. We just sang that song. He understands the price that he paid for us to free us from sin. Come on. Sin demanded a penalty. And if without, you know, without that penalty paid, the mm. judgment is eternal destruction. So he comes and he pays this penalty for us. But if people don't understand what the consequence is, then it's like, well, God loves me. He loves me. But you, if you don't give your life to him and walk with him, uh, then it really doesn't work that way. So there's a stigma embrace, embracing everything that the Lord says to us. That's true. You know, it's not it's- just the popular verses that we like or the popular trends you know that go through the body of Christ that we can all just celebrate like those great verses believers celebrate them unbelievers even like them yes (laughs) but you and I are going to have to be ready to bear a type of stigma or the the pushback the resistance of, of talking about things the signs of the times and living a more devoted lifestyle, and then teaching other people to go on that path. Right. Because there's plenty of broad messages out there that say you don't have to get that narrow about things. Mm. And mm. so... You, you know, know, there's a stumbling block that's going to be... Well, the Bible declares that Jesus is a stumbling block, block uh, a rock of offense. So, uh, go back to all the conversations you might be having with people. You know, you mentioned God. Everybody's, like, cool with that. But you mentioned the name of Jesus and see what schisms start to happen. But the stumbling block when Jesus returns in that generation is because nothing like it's ever happened. Nothing like it's ever happened. Even Jesus, when he's explaining it, he has to go all the way back to the generation of the flood with Noah because it's that outside the box. It's unprecedented. It really is. Uh, Nothing is, like the Bible says, nothing has ever been like this and nothing ever will be like this. He had to go back to Noah's day to try to explain the, the, the sheer magnitude of what's going to happen. And the people in that generation, they were living in the most significant generation of their time, ever. And it's going to be like that in the generation that Jesus yeah. Christ comes I mean, back in. Look at that scripture, Matthew 24, 37. 
We'll put that again on the screen. It says, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So, or, or the generation that the, and the Lord returns. I mean, and then if you go back and you read the story about uh, Noah in Genesis, I mean, God looked at the world. He saw how corrupted it had become because of sin. He right. said it was filled with violence, lust for power, immorality, and it grieved his heart. And he, he was going to bring judgment for sin in the earth. And in Noah's generation, of course, it was unprecedented, like what Noah did. Right. A flood came and destroyed the earth and the people dwelling in it, everybody except for Noah's family that went into the ark. It had never rained before. So, I mean, just try to imagine this situation the way it was. Noah's out there. It said he was a preacher of righteousness. And right. they think that he might have taken about 70 years to build the ark. So, I mean, picture this guy. He's preaching righteousness. You know, he's in year one of his assignment from the Lord. And he's like sawing a tree down. What's his first tree for the ark? His friend comes by. Hey, bro, Noah, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm cutting a tree down. Well, why are you cutting a tree down? Like you have a house built already. What do you need a, a tree for? No, I'm going to build a boat. He's like, a boat? Why are you going to build a boat? Well, because it's going to rain. and It's going to rain really bad. And he's like, rain, you know, didn't you go like to uh, second grade, Noah? And Gen we learned in Genesis chapter 2, the water comes up from the ground. It doesn't come from above. <laughs> he's like, well, no, this time it's going to come from above, and it's going to be really bad. And he's like, well, so who told you that, Noah? He's like, well, God told me that. And he also told me that if you don't get your life right with him, you are going to perish and be destroyed in the flood. And he's like, oh, God told you that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, You know, he walks away. <laughs> so there's Noah, year one, sawing down his trees to make his ark. Ten years later, 20 years later, he's got calluses on his hands. He's still working on his ark. You know, and people around him coming by, think of what his in-laws and people thought of him. It's like, Mrs. Noah, you should have known this guy was you know, too radical, right? <laughs> Like, what? look what he's building. Like, look at this monstrosity. Think about what it looked like halfway in. That thing was, it was, it was huge. And people have to be mocking him. He keeps talking about rain. He keeps talking about judgment. Not a drop has come down from the sky yet. Ha, 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 Noah. I mean, imagine preaching a, a message of righteousness to get your life in order. God's going to bring judgment to unreceptive people over and over and right. over and sticking with your assignment and believing something's going to happen that's been unprecedented. It's right. never happened before, but I'm believing it because God told me it was going to happen. The reality, it's, it's, it's never happened. It's unequaled. And so these people are thinking, you know, hmm, sure. Verse 37 goes back to the same thing. What were they doing? They were eating and drinking, you know, 60, 70 years Eating and drink business as usual. Not a cloud in the sky. Noah's off his rocker. See, it's never rained before. And since we haven't seen it, obviously it can't happen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Until year 70. And the Bible declares that God closed the door of the ark. And then the flood came, and all the unbelievers perished. 
every one of them. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And take a look at this Second Peter scripture here. Look at what it says here. God did not spare the ancient world. But saved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Mm. Noah was preaching with clarity. He was under the anointing of God. He had the authority of God for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. But they didn't know it. It It's because they didn't connect the dots. Once again, they're in the most significant moment of human history ever. And they were totally ignorant of what was going to be happening. Even though there was a voice telling them, it's on the way. Get your life right with God. It's on the way. It's on the way. It will happen. Even though it's delayed. And you know why God delays things? It gives us time to repent and get our lives right with God. That's right. I'm telling you, if, if Jesus would have come back in 1960, well, let's say if he didn't come, if he came back in 1972, I'd be splitting hell wide open. Thank God he's waited till after I got saved. Yes. <laughs> but yet now he's calling you and I to do the same thing. Yeah. Yes, he is. To let people understand the end is coming. The signs are right in front of our face. You cannot ignore the signs that are right in front of our face. You can't. You cannot do it. Again, totally unaware that everything is falling. I'm amazed, so amazed that how these people work so hard to fulfill Bible prophecy. And, And you have to Look around the world and ask yourself, is the same thing happening today? Do people, are people resisting the same message that's going out today? Even, even the messages that have yep. come through in this series, the signs of the times, some of these things are not easy passages to look at. And people in Noah's day didn't respond didn't really care about it, obviously, is all the warnings that were happening. And like you said, I think it's the delay in time that we think we still have time. We still have time. We still have time. But, the, but you don't know the day in time that your life will be over on this earth. That's and right. And it did, it did escalate suddenly in Noah's day. And the door shut. And it's like that trap. See, Jesus warned about it. It'll come upon you like a trap or a noose or like a thief and rob you Mm -hmm. of your spiritual inheritance. There are consequences to not paying attention. And look at the scripture 11.7. This is Hebrews 11.7. It says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, not yet seen. See, that's Mm -hmm. that's a key in there divinely warned of things not yet seen. We often think, we haven't seen it yet, we haven't seen it yet. So therefore it's not. But people who walk by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. We walk by the word of God. So it says he was moved with godly fear. And he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. So Noah took the divine warning. This is really what scripture is for us. 
it gives us discernment. It can, it, it blesses and it warns. It's like a right. you know, double-sided coin there. I mean, there was no record of what Noah was talking about in history, but he was moved by godly fear to help protect his family and make an ark. Again, you go back to the idea of here he is, the assignment, the first day. And then it comes to what? Ten years. Twenty years. Thirty years. Forty years. And you know, you got to love the resolve that this man had. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done anything <laughs> for ten years that you knew was from God? And you are being ridiculed and criticized for doing it. Did you stick with it? You're mocked. You're laughed at. You stay with it. Ten years. Have you done that for ten years? Have you done it for twenty years? Thirty years? Some people are just happy that they came to church for a month in a row. Four weeks in a row. <laughs> I deserve a break, Lord. I think that's what Noah would be saying after 60 years. Like, oh, God, have mercy. It's almost like, like you want to pray for the guy. Yeah. Lord, please just let it rain. Speed it up. <laughs> yeah, speed it up. Have mercy on this man. Yeah. Think about it. Judge your own life. Have you stuck to your guns? Have you held on to the word of God? Are you believing for an answer to prayer? You don't quit. You don't turn to the right. You don't turn to the left. You stay on the narrow path. Yeah. How many times did you get pulled this way, pulled that way by society, by the culture, by your friends? I believe that we are living in one of those times that God is really putting pressure on His church. He's calling us out, meaning don't be like the world. You, do, you're not even, you don't even belong to the world. And again, Mary said it this morning. This world has nothing to offer you. Your money's not going to save you. Sometimes your comfort is an enemy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. I like comfort. <laughs> I like being happy. I like to have fun. But what Jesus is talking about is very serious for us to take and put it in our heart. Amen. You know, part of these righteous judgments is so that our hearts become purified. Our priorities are put in the right place. Yeah. Don't run like you used to run. Time to change. Time is running out. Yeah. Because in Romans chapter 1, he is warning and warning and warning and warning and the people refused and he gave them over to their own heart's desire. And you, nobody knows when that's going to happen. But when you do, your heart is seared. Your conscience is seared. You can't hear anymore. That's a scary place. Yeah. It's just like deception. Pastor Mamie brought it up. Being deceived is... Dangerous because you don't know you are. Yeah. The anchor of our soul is this. This Amen. is where we're going to be able to see the truth and, and a, a, a lie. Yeah. And I honestly believe that God is raising up Noah's 
God is raising up Noah's. What else he did? It's counterculture, isn't it? The culture says, hate all cops. Hate all police. Hate everybody who's in authority. Hate them. Counterculture. No, let's honor them. Let's honor them. You know, the, the police chief said to her, the first thing he wanted was prayer. Yeah. Was prayer. Thank God we have praying people. Yes. In our police department. You know, we all are, God is calling every single one of us to be Noah's. Yeah. Noah, Noahettes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're to give the people food at the appropriate time. Yeah, let's read that now, scripture. Yeah, now is the time. Listen, the, the truth is, now is the time to bring up these things. Yeah. If, if, we're, if the church isn't bringing up end-time realities and what we're walking ourselves through, well then, you know what? How are they going to be prepared? Yeah. I, we want you to be prepared. Yeah. Years ago, I asked God to help us to preach in such a way that even if you're thrown in prison, even if you're beaten, you do not deny Jesus Christ. I, this is happening all over the world. They're being tortured to deny Christ. Not in America. Not yet. Well, there was just a, a Supreme Court ruling about Las Vegas. All the casinos can stay open, not the church. You're right. You cannot have church, but the casinos can stay open. There's a preacher down in Florida that says, at the very start of this, this is the beginning of taking your freedom of religion away. Everybody laughed at him. What's developing, folks? Yeah. And Jason told me he had a dream the other day of coming to church, but he had to hide and sneak to get here because people were trying to get him, stop you from meeting. This is, again, this is another reason we need the church body. We need one another desperately. We need you. To, I need you because you have something I don't have. We need each other. Because there's going to come a time, everybody's going to say, hmm, people are getting turned in, brother and sister. Remember we looked at that scripture before? Parents betraying their kids, kids betraying their parents. You know, then you start to gather, oh, here's a newcomer. Hmm, what's he about? Is he going to turn me in? Is he going to turn us in? Is he going to get us? You know, this is why you need the church family right now, because you can trust one another. Another thing that they're trying to do is like, oh, if you're at a party and you get the, uh, the flu, that's what it is. It's not leprosy, folks. They want you to think that if you go outside, you're going to get leprosy. Well, then, if you're at this party, if somebody gets it, well, tell us who was all there. Hmm. Okay. You've got to be careful. Well, let's look at that scripture. <laughs> Let's look at that scripture. 
This will be our last scripture here. Matthew 24, 45. This was part of what was read earlier. Jesus, you know, warning about the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. Then he says, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has made ruler over his household to give them food at the appointed time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. What is that scripture meaning? I, I, I go back to what you're saying, but I do believe that God is raising up people in the body of Christ to speak, to speak these truths, if you will, be a preacher of righteousness, mm-hmm. and to feed the people. It says here, give them food at the appointed time. because We need to hear this message because so many people are just, I believe the church in America has a great Laodicean spirit on it. It's kind of, it's pretty lukewarm in many ways. And God's looking for people who are faithful. They want to be wise and want to feed other people the truth despite the social stigma involved. Come on. Okay, so God had Noah build an ark, a physical ark. For his people, for his family, just his immediate family to go in and be, and be protected from the judgment of sin. What's our ark today? The covenant today that we have is based in the blood of Jesus. Amen. And unbreakable. We, and it's, it's unbreakable. And we go into that ark of safety, covered by the blood of Jesus. It's that shelter of the Most High that we can enter into. And it's how do, how do you do that? Well, it's... it's Believing in obedience, setting your heart to obey, love God and obey the word of God. That's how we enter into the ark. It's really as simple as that. And so let's just, uh, we're going to bow our heads here. We're running out of time. God, I believe, I do believe, Lord, that you are raising up, you're calling young people in particular, and older too, but the young people, to hear your voice, you know, to, be, to desire to divinely warn a generation and to divinely invite a generation yes, to you. that's good. To awaken us, to have our eyes opened to the day and time that we live in. God, I pray that we would be a people who would not be moved by the social stigma of the difficult passages in your word. Lord, that we want to be people who love you with our whole heart. You you loved us with your whole heart. You loved us with everything you had. You gave your life for us. And God, I pray that we become a people that will do the same for you. We wouldn't be moved by scoffing. We wouldn't be moved by rejection, the pushback that we might get from people. Because, Lord, our desire is to fear you, to love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I pray you help us. Holy Spirit to do that. I pray you plant a, a divine message in the hearts, especially of the young people, to not care about what all the social media says, but to hear your voice, to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, to be led by you, Lord, to be a voice for you in their generation. And if you're here today, this is a good opportunity. Once a thing that, you know, righteousness is calling out to everybody is, and this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to get our lives right with God. He wants us to walk in righteousness. He says, be holy as I'm holy. And without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
And this is a time where you judge yourself so that you won't be judged. Judge yourself. How about the attitude you have? You know, God is, he, he's concerned with your thought life because your thought life will take you off into sin. Anything that's done without faith is sin, the Bible declares. We've got a lot to repent from. Now, I'm talking to Christians. We need a lot to repent from. We, get, we need to ask God to show us the sin that so easily does beset us. We don't want anything to do with it, Lord. We, we reject sin. I just ask you to help us recognize it so that we don't play the movie, that we don't go deeper into it, that we are able to stop it. Heavenly Father, it's only through your blood of, the, of your Son, Jesus Christ, that frees us from sin. That's the only name that has been given to man under heaven, which we can be saved. Holy Spirit, I'm calling on your ministry right now because you, you're here to convict people of sin. You're, you're here to convict people of sin. I'm talking about the audience here that's watching online. If, if your heart is tender in any way, you know that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you because all of us has fallen sin and fallen short and have sinned. Every single person. There's only one perfect one, and that was Jesus Christ. But, and he came to this earth to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin. We sing a song about being free. And that being free is being free from the power of sin. You can't do it yourself. I can't do it myself. Only Jesus Christ can free you from the power of sin. If you're ready to surrender your life to him, I mean your whole life, not just portions. Don't add Jesus to your life because it's not what he wants. Jesus is your life. He is your life. If you're ready to give him your life so you... He can live his life through you. I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so that I can see it. And then we'll all pray a prayer here. And I want you to pray this prayer out loud. If God is speaking to your heart, and I bet he is. I want everybody to say this out loud. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I come to you. I come to you. In the only name, in the only name that men can be saved by, men can be saved by. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I have missed it in so many ways. I have missed it in so many ways. I have rebelled against you. I have rebelled against you. I have not walked in love. Not walked in love. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus. Jesus. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to save me. I want to live for you. I want to live for you. From this day forward. From this day forward. I'm not going to turn to the right or to the left. I'm 
not going to turn to the right or to the left. I want to walk the narrow path. I want to walk the narrow path. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So that I might walk in truth. So that I might walk in truth. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' amen name. Amen and amen. amen.